Chapter Ten of Part Four of The Idiot, Parts Three and Four by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Eva M. Martin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The prince did not die before his wedding, either by day or night, as he had foretold that he might. Very probably he passed disturbed nights and was afflicted with bad dreams, but during the daytime, among his fellow men, he seemed as kind as ever and even contented only a little thoughtful when alone the wedding was hurried on the day was fixed for exactly a week after evgeny's visit to the prince in the face of such haste as this even the prince's best friends if he had had any would have felt the hopelessness of any attempt to save the poor madman rumour said that in the visit of evgeny pavlovitch was to be discerned the influence of lizabetha prokofievna and her husband but if those good souls in the boundless kindness of their hearts were desirous of saving the eccentric young fellow from ruin they were unable to take any stronger measures to attain that end neither their position nor their private inclination perhaps and only naturally would allow them to use any more pronounced means we have observed before that even some of the prince's nearest neighbours had begun to oppose him vera lebedeff's passive disagreement was limited to the shedding of a few solitary tears to more frequent sitting alone at home and to a diminished frequency in her visits to the prince's apartments kolya was occupied with his father at this time the old man died during a second stroke which took place just eight days after the first the prince showed great sympathy in the grief of the family and during the first days of their mourning he was at the house a great deal with nina alexandrovna he went to the funeral and it was observable that the public assembled in church greeted his arrival and departure with whisperings and watched him closely the same thing happened in the park and in the street wherever he went he was pointed out when he drove by and he often overheard the name of nastasia philipovna coupled with his own as he passed people looked out for her at the funeral too but she was not there and another conspicuous absentee was the captain's widow whom lebedeff had prevented from coming the funeral service produced a great effect on the prince he whispered to lebedeff that this was the first time he had ever heard a russian funeral service since he was a little boy observing that he was looking about him uneasily lebedeff asked him whom he was seeking nothing i only thought i is it rogozhin why is he here yes he's in church i thought i caught sight of his eyes muttered the prince in confusion but what of it why is he here was he asked oh dear no why they don't even know him anyone can come in you know why do you look so amazed i often meet him i've seen him at least four times here at pavlovsk within the last week i haven't seen him once since that day the prince murmured as nastasia philipovna had not said a word about having met rogozhin since that day the prince concluded that the latter had his own reasons for wishing to keep out of sight all the day of the funeral our hero was in a deeply thoughtful state while nastasia philipovna was particularly merry both in the daytime and in the evening kolya had made it up with the prince before his father's death and it was he who urged him to make use of keller and burdovsky promising to answer himself for the former's behaviour 
nina alexandrovna and lebedeff tried to persuade him to have the wedding in st petersburg instead of in the public fashion contemplated down here at pavlovsk in the height of the season but the prince only said that nastasia philipovna desired to have it so though he saw well enough what prompted their arguments the next day keller came to visit the prince he was in a high state of delight with the post of honour assigned to him at the wedding before entering he stopped on the threshold raised his hand as if making a solemn vow and cried i won't drink then he went up to the prince seized both his hands shook them warmly and declared that he had at first felt hostile towards the project of this marriage and had openly said so in the billiard-rooms but that the reason simply was that with the impatience of a friend he had hoped to see the prince marry at least a princess de rohan or de chabot but that now he saw that the prince's way of thinking was ten times more noble than that of all the rest put together for he desired neither pomp nor wealth nor honour but only the truth the sympathies of exalted personages were well known and the prince was too highly placed by his education and so on not to be in some sense an exalted personage but all the common herd judged differently in the town at the meetings in the villas at the band in the inns and the billiard-rooms the coming event has only to be mentioned and there are shouts and cries from everybody i have even heard talk of getting up a charivari under the windows on the wedding night so if you have need of the pistol of an honest man prince i am ready to fire half a dozen shots even before you rise from your nuptial couch keller also advised in anticipation of the crowd making a rush after the ceremony that a fire-hose should be placed at the entrance to the house but lebedeff was opposed to this measure which he said might result in the place being pulled down i assure you prince that lebedeff is intriguing against you he wants to put you under control imagine that to take from you the use of your free will and your money that is to say the two things that distinguish us from the animals i have heard it said positively it is the sober truth the prince recollected that somebody had told him something of the kind before and he had of course scoffed at it he only laughed now and forgot the hint at once lebedeff really had been busy for some little while but as usual his plans had become too complex to succeed through sheer excess of ardour when he came to the prince the very day before the wedding to confess for he always confessed to the persons against whom he intrigued especially when the plan failed he informed our hero that he himself was a born talleyrand but for some unknown reason had become simple lebedeff he then proceeded to explain his whole game to the prince interesting the latter exceedingly according to lebedeff's account he had first tried what he could do with general epanchin the latter informed him that he wished well to the unfortunate young man and would gladly do what he could to save him but that he did not think it would be seemly for him to interfere in this matter lizabetha prokofievna would neither hear nor see him prince s and evgeny pavlovitch only shrugged their shoulders and implied that it was no business of theirs however lebedeff had not lost heart and went off to a clever lawyer a worthy and respectable man whom he knew well this old gentleman informed him that the thing was perfectly feasible if he could get hold of competent witnesses as to mushkin's mental incapacity then with the assistance of a few influential persons he would soon see the matter arranged 
lebedeff immediately procured the services of an old doctor and carried the latter away to pavlovsk to see the prince by way of viewing the ground as it were and to give him lebedeff counsel as to whether the thing was to be done or not the visit was not to be official but merely friendly muishkin remembered the doctor's visit quite well he remembered that lebedeff had said that he looked ill and had better see a doctor and although the prince scouted the idea lebedeff had turned up almost immediately with his old friend explaining that they had just met at the bedside of hippolyte who was very ill and that the doctor had something to tell the prince about the sick man the prince had of course at once received him and had plunged into a conversation about hippolyte he had given the doctor an account of hippolyte's attempted suicide and had proceeded thereafter to talk of his own malady of switzerland of schneider and so on and so deeply was the old man interested by the prince's conversation and his description of schneider's system that he sat on for two hours muishkin gave him excellent cigars to smoke and lebedeff for his part regaled him with liqueurs brought in by vera to whom the doctor a married man and the father of a family addressed such compliments that she was filled with indignation they parted friends and after leaving the prince the doctor said to lebedeff if all such people were put under restraint there would be no one left for keepers lebedeff then in tragic tones told of the approaching marriage whereupon the other nodded his head and replied that after all marriages like that were not so rare that he had heard that the lady was very fascinating and of extraordinary beauty which was enough to explain the infatuation of a wealthy man that further thanks to the liberality of totsky and of rogojin she possessed so he had heard not only money but pearls diamonds shawls and furniture and consequently she could not be considered a bad match in brief it seemed to the doctor that the prince's choice far from being a sign of foolishness denoted on the contrary a shrewd calculating and practical mind lebedeff had been much struck by this point of view and he terminated his confession by assuring the prince that he was ready if need be to shed his very life's blood for him hippolyte too was a source of some distraction to the prince at this time he would send for him at any and every hour of the day they lived hippolyte and his mother and the children in a small house not far off and the little ones were happy if only because they were able to escape from the invalid into the garden the prince had enough to do in keeping the peace between the irritable hippolyte and his mother and eventually the former became so malicious and sarcastic on the subject of the approaching wedding that muishkin took offence at last and refused to continue his visits a couple of days later however hippolyte's mother came with tears in her eyes and begged the prince to come back or he would eat her up bodily she added that hippolyte had a great secret to disclose of course the prince went there was no secret however unless we reckon certain pantings and agitated glances around probably all put on as the invalid begged his visitor to beware of rogojin he is the sort of man he continued who won't give up his object you know he is not like you and me prince he belongs to quite a different order of beings if he sets his heart on a thing he won't be afraid of anything and so on hippolyte was very ill and looked as though he could not long survive 
he was tearful at first but grew more and more sarcastic and malicious as the interview proceeded the prince questioned him in detail as to his hints about rogojin he was anxious to seize upon some facts which might confirm hippolyte's vague warnings but there were none only hippolyte's own private impressions and feelings however the invalid to his immense satisfaction ended by seriously alarming the prince at first muishkin had not cared to make any reply to his sundry questions and only smiled in response to hippolyte's advice to run for his life abroad if necessary there are russian priests everywhere and one can get married all over the world but it was hippolyte's last idea which upset him what i am really alarmed about though he said is aglaya ivanovna rogozhin knows how you love her love for love you took nastasha philipovna from him he will murder aglaya ivanovna for though she is not yours of course now still such an act would pain you wouldn't it he had attained his end the prince left the house beside himself with terror these warnings about rogozhin were expressed on the day before the wedding that evening the prince saw nastasha philipovna for the last time before they were to meet at the altar but nastasha was not in a position to give him any comfort or consolation on the contrary she only added to his mental perturbation as the evening went on up to this time she had invariably done her best to cheer him she was afraid of his looking melancholy she would try singing to him and telling him every sort of funny story or reminiscence that she could recall the prince nearly always pretended to be amused whether he were so actually or no but often enough he laughed sincerely delighted by the brilliancy of her wit when she was carried away by her narrative as she very often was nastasha would be wild with joy to see the impression she had made and to hear his laugh of real amusement and she would remain the whole evening in a state of pride and happiness but this evening her melancholy and thoughtfulness grew with every hour the prince had told evgeny pavlovitch with perfect sincerity that he loved nastasha philipovna with all his soul in his love for her there was the sort of tenderness one feels for a sick unhappy child which cannot be left alone he never spoke of his feelings for nastasha to any one not even to herself when they were together they never discussed their feelings and there was nothing in their cheerful animated conversation which an outsider could not have heard daria alexeyevna with whom nastasha was staying told afterwards how she had been filled with joy and delight only to look at them all this time thanks to the manner in which he regarded nastasha's mental and moral condition the prince was to some extent freed from other perplexities she was now quite different from the woman he had known three months before he was not astonished for instance to see her now so impatient to marry him she who formerly had wept with rage and hurled curses and reproaches at him if he mentioned marriage it shows that she no longer fears as she did then that she would make me unhappy by marrying me he thought and he felt sure that so sudden a change could not be a natural one this rapid growth of self-confidence could not be due only to her hatred for aglaya to suppose that would be to suspect the depth of her feelings nor could it arise from dread of the fate that awaited her if she married rogozhin these causes indeed as well as others might have played a part in it but the true reason muishkin decided was the one he had long suspected 
that the poor sick soul had come to the end of its forces yet this was an explanation that did not procure him any peace of mind at times he seemed to be making violent efforts to think of nothing and one would have said that he looked on his marriage as an unimportant formality and on his future happiness as a thing not worth considering as to conversations such as the one held with evgeny pavlovitch he avoided them as far as possible feeling that there were certain objections to which he could make no answer the prince had observed that nastasia knew well enough what aglaya was to him he never spoke of it but he had seen her face when she had caught him staring off for the epanchins house on several occasions when the epanchins left pavlovsk she had beamed with radiance and happiness unsuspicious and unobservant as he was he had feared at that time that nastasia might have some scheme in her mind for a scene or scandal which would drive aglaya out of pavlovsk she had encouraged the rumours and excitement among the inhabitants of the place as to her marriage with the prince in order to annoy her rival and finding it difficult to meet the epanchins anywhere she had on one occasion taken him for a drive past their house he did not observe what was happening until they were almost passing the windows when it was too late to do anything he said nothing but for two days afterwards he was ill nastasia did not try that particular experiment again a few days before that fixed for the wedding she grew grave and thoughtful she always ended by getting the better of her melancholy and becoming merry and cheerful again but not quite so unaffectedly happy as she had been some days earlier the prince redoubled his attentive study of her symptoms it was a most curious circumstance in his opinion that she never spoke of rogojin but once about five days before the wedding when the prince was at home a messenger arrived begging him to come at once as nastasia philipovna was very ill he had found her in a condition approaching to absolute madness she screamed and trembled and cried out that rogojin was hiding out there in the garden that she had seen him herself and that he would murder her in the night that he would cut her throat she was terribly agitated all day but it so happened that the prince called at Ippolit's house later on and heard from his mother that she had been in town all day and had there received a visit from rogojin who had made inquiries about pavlovsk on inquiry it turned out that rogojin visited the old lady in town at almost the same moment when nastasia declared that she had seen him in the garden so that the whole thing turned out to be an illusion on her part nastasia immediately went across to Ippolit's to inquire more accurately and returned immensely relieved and comforted on the day before the wedding the prince left nastasia in a state of great animation her wedding dress and all sorts of finery had just arrived from town muishkin had not imagined that she would be so excited over it but he praised everything and his praise rendered her doubly happy but nastasia could not hide the cause of her intense interest in her wedding splendour she had heard of the indignation in the town and knew that some of the populace was getting up a sort of charivari with music that verses had been composed for the occasion and that the rest of pavlovsk society more or less encouraged these preparations so since attempts were being made to humiliate her she wanted to hold her head even higher than usual and to overwhelm them all with the beauty and taste of her toilet let them shout and whistle if they dare her eyes flashed at the thought but underneath this she had another motive of which she did not speak she thought that possibly aglaya 
or at any rate someone sent by her would be present incognito at the ceremony or in the crowd and she wished to be prepared for this eventuality the prince left her at eleven full of these thoughts and went home but it was not twelve o'clock when a messenger came to say that nastasia was very bad and he must come at once on hurrying back he found his bride locked up in her own room and could hear her hysterical cries and sobs it was some time before she could be made to hear that the prince had come and then she opened the door only just sufficiently to let him in and immediately locked it behind him she then fell on her knees at his feet so at least dana alexeyevna reported what am i doing what am i doing to you she sobbed convulsively embracing his knees the prince was a whole hour soothing and comforting her and left her at length pacified and composed he sent another messenger during the night to inquire after her and two more next morning the last brought back a message that nastasia was surrounded by a whole army of dressmakers and maids and was as happy and as busy as such a beauty should be on her wedding morning and that there was not a vestige of yesterday's agitation remaining the message concluded with the news that at the moment of the bearer's departure there was a great confabulation in progress as to which diamonds were to be worn and how this message entirely calmed the prince's mind the following report of the proceedings on the wedding day may be depended upon as coming from eye-witnesses the wedding was fixed for eight o'clock in the evening nastasia philipovna was ready at seven from six o'clock groups of people began to gather at nastasia's house at the prince's and at the church door but more especially at the former place the church began to fill at seven kolya and vera lebedeff were very anxious on the prince's account but they were so busy over the arrangements for receiving the guests after the wedding that they had not much time for the indulgence of personal feelings there were to be very few guests besides the best men and so on only dana alexeyevna the pitsons gania and the doctor when the prince asked lebedeff why he had invited the doctor who was almost a stranger lebedeff replied why he wears an order and it looks so well this idea amused the prince keller and burdovsky looked wonderfully correct in their dress-coats and white kid gloves although keller caused the bridegroom some alarm by his undisguisedly hostile glances at the gathering crowd of sightseers outside at about half-past seven the prince started for the church in his carriage we may remark here that he seemed anxious not to omit a single one of the recognized customs and traditions observed at weddings he wished all to be done as openly as possible and in due order arrived at the church muishkin under keller's guidance passed through the crowd of spectators amid continuous whispering and excited exclamations the prince stayed near the altar while keller made off once more to fetch the bride on reaching the gate of darya alexeyevna's house keller found a far denser crowd than he had encountered at the prince's the remarks and exclamations of the spectators here were of so irritating a nature that keller was very near making them a speech on the impropriety of their conduct but was luckily caught by burdovsky in the act of turning to address them and hurried indoors nastasia philipovna was ready she rose from her seat looked into the glass and remarked as keller told the tale afterwards that she was as pale as a corpse she then bent her head reverently before the icon in the corner and left the room 
a torrent of voices greeted her appearance at the front door the crowd whistled clapped its hands and laughed and shouted but in a moment or two isolated voices were distinguishable what a beauty cried one well she isn't the first in the world nor the last said another marriage covers everything observed a third i defy you to find another beauty like that said a fourth she's a real princess i'd sell my soul for such a princess as that nastasia came out of the house looking as white as any handkerchief but her large dark eyes shone upon the vulgar crowd like blazing coals the spectators cries were redoubled and became more exultant and triumphant every moment the door of the carriage was open and keller had given his hand to the bride to help her in when suddenly with a loud cry she rushed from him straight into the surging crowd her friends about her were stupefied with amazement the crowd parted as she rushed through it and suddenly at a distance of five or six yards from the carriage appeared rogojin it was his look that had caught her eyes nastasia rushed to him like a madwoman and seized both his hands save me she cried take me away anywhere you like quick rogojin seized her in his arms and almost carried her to the carriage then in a flash he tore a hundred-rouble note out of his pocket and held it to the coachman to the station quick if you catch the train you shall have another quick he leaped into the carriage after nastasia and banged the door the coachman did not hesitate a moment he whipped up the horses and they were off one more second and i should have stopped him said keller afterwards in fact he and burdovsky jumped into another carriage and set off in pursuit but it struck them as they drove along that it was not much use trying to bring nastasia back by force besides said burdovsky the prince would not like it would he so they gave up the pursuit rogozhin and nastasia philipovna reached the station just in time for the train as he jumped out of the carriage and was almost on the point of entering the train rogozhin accosted a young girl standing on the platform and wearing an old-fashioned but respectable-looking black cloak and a silk handkerchief over her head take fifty roubles for your cloak he shouted holding the money out to the girl before the astonished young woman could collect her scattered senses he pushed the money into her hand seized the mantle and threw it and the handkerchief over nastasia's head and shoulders the latter's wedding array would have attracted too much attention and it was not until some time later that the girl understood why her old cloak and kerchief had been bought at such a price the news of what had happened reached the church with extraordinary rapidity when keller arrived a host of people whom he did not know thronged around to ask him questions there was much excited talking and shaking of heads even some laughter but no one left the church all being anxious to observe how the now celebrated bridegroom would take the news he grew very pale upon hearing it but took it quite quietly i was afraid he muttered scarcely audibly but i hardly thought it would come to this then after a short silence he added however in her state it is quite consistent with the natural order of things even keller admitted afterwards that this was extraordinarily philosophical on the prince's part he left the church quite calm to all appearances as many witnesses were found to declare afterwards he seemed anxious to reach home and be left alone as quickly as possible but this was not to be he was accompanied by nearly all the invited guests 
and besides this the house was almost besieged by excited bands of people who insisted upon being allowed to enter the veranda the prince heard keller and lebedoff remonstrating and quarrelling with these unknown individuals and soon went out himself he approached the disturbers of his peace requested courteously to be told what was desired then politely putting lebedeff and keller aside he addressed an old gentleman who was standing on the veranda steps at the head of the band of would-be guests and courteously requested him to honour him with a visit the old fellow was quite taken aback by this but entered followed by a few more who tried to appear at their ease the rest remained outside and presently the whole crowd was censuring those who had accepted the invitation the prince offered seats to his strange visitors tea was served and a general conversation sprang up everything was done most decorously to the considerable surprise of the intruders a few tentative attempts were made to turn the conversation to the events of the day and a few indiscreet questions were asked but mushkin replied to everybody with such simplicity and good humour and at the same time with so much dignity and showed such confidence in the good breeding of his guests that the indiscreet talkers were quickly silenced by degrees the conversation became almost serious one gentleman suddenly exclaimed with great vehemence whatever happens i shall not sell my property i shall wait enterprise is better than money and there sir you have my whole system of economy if you wish he addressed the prince who warmly commended his sentiments though lebedeff whispered in his ear that this gentleman who talked so much of his property had never had either house or home nearly an hour passed thus and when tea was over the visitors seemed to think that it was time to go as they went out the doctor and the old gentleman bade mushkin a warm farewell and all the rest took their leave with hearty protestations of good-will dropping remarks to the effect that it was no use worrying and that perhaps all would turn out for the best and so on some of the younger intruders would have asked for champagne but they were checked by the older ones when all had departed keller leaned over to lebedeff and said with you and me there would have been a scene we should have shouted and fought and called in the police but he has simply made some new friends and such friends too i know them lebedeff who was slightly intoxicated answered with a sigh things are hidden from the wise and prudent and revealed unto babes i have applied those words to him before but now i add that god has preserved the babe himself from the abyss he and all his saints at last about half-past ten the prince was left alone his head ached kolya was the last to go after having helped him to change his wedding clothes they parted on affectionate terms and without speaking of what had happened kolya promised to come very early the next day he said later that the prince had given no hint of his intentions when they said good-bye but had hidden them even from him soon there was hardly any one left in the house burdovsky had gone to see ippolit keller and lebedeff had wandered off together somewhere only vera lebedeff remained hurriedly rearranging the furniture in the rooms as she left the veranda she glanced at the prince he was seated at the table with both elbows upon it and his head resting on his hands she approached him and touched his shoulder gently the prince started and looked at her in perplexity he seemed to be collecting his senses for a minute or so before he could remember where he was as recollection dawned upon him he became violently agitated 
all he did however was to ask vera very earnestly to knock at his door and awake him in time for the first train to petersburg next morning vera promised and the prince entreated her not to tell any one of his intention she promised this too and at last when she had half closed the door he called her back a third time took her hands in his kissed them then kissed her forehead and in a rather peculiar manner said to her until to-morrow such was vera's story afterwards she went away in great anxiety about him but when she saw him in the morning he seemed to be quite himself again greeted her with a smile and told her that he would very likely be back by the evening it appears that he did not consider it necessary to inform anyone excepting vera of his departure for town End of chapter ten